In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, St. Paul's words about the armor of God are the final words of his letter to the Ephesians. And he ends his epistle not with some academic summary of his points, uh, but with an impassioned exhortation to stir up Christians to stand firm against the devil and all evil forces. Paul's words here are like a general emboldening his soldiers the day of the battle, right before they step on the battlefield. Dr. Luther called this sermon, or this text, uh, the army sermon. And concerning Paul's words here, this is what Luther himself wrote about 500 years ago. He says this, Those who are baptized into Christ and would cling to him must and should be warriors and must always be armed with their weapons and armor. The Christian estate is not an idle estate, nor an estate of peace and security, but it is a matter of always being on the field of battle and waging war and applying one's whole self to it. This is the reality of the Christian life, that Christ has defeated the devil for us, and yet at the same time, we're still on the battlefield. When Jesus died and resurrected, he won the victory over sin, death, and the devil. And yet the devil still remains a real and present danger to us. The devil is defeated, and yet he won't stop attacking. He won't stop attacking us. We face an internal battle against the desires of our flesh, And we face an external battle at the same time against the enemies of Christ, the false teachers, oppressive governments, pagan neighbors, and godless heathens. These things are happening at the same time. So against all of these things, all of these forces, St. Paul gives this exhortation. The English translation says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The word here for strong in Greek is the present passive imperative. Uh, That means that it shouldn't be translated as be strong, but rather as be strengthened. And that is different. This means that the source of your strength isn't something that you have to dig deep down inside of yourself for and find. It's something that comes from without, outside of you. Rather, the the source of your strength comes from the outside. Strength isn't something you muster up or you create. Rather, it is the Lord who then strengthens you. That's what his exhortation is. So Paul isn't telling you to strengthen yourself or to find it in yourself to go against this, uh, to, to, to engage in this battle. Rather, he is saying the Lord will strengthen you. And then he goes on to tell you exactly how the Lord strengthens you for this battle. And this is when he talks about the, 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 the full armor of God. Later, later in the verses, he, he, he lists what those pieces of the, the armor are. It says the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, as shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and finally the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, I don't have the time to go through each one of these and explain the significance of them all. But I do want to point out uh, a couple of points, a couple of things that I've seen here. Uh, The first is this. 
Notice what's missing from the list. What was missing? Prayer. Prayer is not in that list. It's not that prayer is unimportant or unhelpful. It's simply that it's not a piece of armor against the devil's attacks. I think this is very interesting because when most Christians think of spiritual warfare and the way they talk about it, they immediately think of prayer. And they talk about wrestling with God with some sort of prayer uh, or wrestling with the devil and, and prayer. Nearly every Christian movie I've seen depicts Christians fighting evil through prayer. But the reality is that prayer is not a piece of armor here. Prayer is a work of the new man. It's a work of the Christian. Prayer is a response to the armor that God has given, a response to what God has said. But prayer itself is not the armor. So we don't take refuge in our own prayers here. God doesn't strengthen us by our prayers, by our words to him. He strengthens us by his words to us. This is the point, that it gets you looking outward, outside of yourself in the midst of this battle. We, we can't strengthen ourselves through our own sincerity. God is the one who strengthens us. All of the armor uh, are things that God gives us, and they're outside of us. The truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith which comes by hearing, salvation, the word of God, all of these things are external to you. So the, the, the last place you need to look, and you, you should look, is to yourself in the midst of these things. Again, I'm not saying that prayer is bad, but just you cannot rely upon it as if it were armor against the devil. That will not hold up. Now, the second observation I wanted to note about the list is this, that all of the armor and all the weapons that God gives us here are defensive. I've heard a number of pastors say that Paul lists six items. Five of them are defensive. One is offensive. And the only offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So we're wearing this armor and we just charge forward with this sword. But that's not true, actually. There are two words in Greek for sword. One means a long, broad sword that's used for striking, for attacking. And the other word means a short sword a smaller sword, that's a dagger that's used for defending. And Paul uses the second word here for that, one of defense. It's a defensive sword. That means that every piece of armor and weaponry that the Lord gives in this list is defensive. And not one of them is offensive. And this is going to make more sense in a moment once you understand the next part. Paul not only tells us what the armor is, he then tells us what it's for. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against or withstand the schemes of the devil. Now, again, uh, uh, he's keeping with this language. He says that this is not an offensive position. It is a defensive position. Paul is not telling you to attack. He is telling you to defend. The armor is not for you to attack the devil, but to withstand his attacks. What I'm getting that is this. It's not that God dresses, up, dresses us up for battle to go somewhere. Rather, he dresses us up for battle to stay where we are. 
It's not that we're going to storm the enemy's position, but rather the devil is trying to storm our position. This changes everything about this. Uh, This is, in fact, the problem with the hymn Onward Christian Soldiers. A lot of people like this hymn. I might step on toes here. But that hymn says, Onward Christian Soldiers. Go, Go forward. Onward. Marching as to war. You're forward into battle like a mighty armor. It says moves the church of God, that we're moving, we're going someplace. The whole hymn talks about moving and going someplace. The idea here is that far off in the distance, there is our destination. There's a land over there. And we Christians have to march to it. We have to get to that land like an army. We have to fight our way uh, through to get there. That's not what Paul is saying. That's not what he says. He's not telling us that we need to trudge our way to some distant land. He says that we are already here. We're already in God's kingdom through our baptism. We're already eating the banquet of salvation, the very body and blood of Christ for our forgiveness. Paul doesn't say move forward or march on. He says, stand, stay firm, steadfast, withstand, stand against. We're not supposed to go somewhere. We're supposed to hold the position. Uh, Now, I, I think we see this most clearly when we compare the study of theology of God's word with the study of any other subject in the world. All other fields of study have to keep with the times. They have to keep up. In construction, you need to keep up with the newest building materials, methods, and codes, things like that. In medicine, And science, you have to keep up with the latest discoveries, the tests, the latest results and studies and things. You need to be contemporary. You need to be modern. You need to keep up with every single field of study except for theology. In theology, it is not about keeping up with the times. It's exactly the opposite. It is resisting the times. It's about holding on to what was given. Every other study, uh, field of study is imperfect. So change in those studies is good because it can be improved. But the word of God is perfect, so you can't improve it. That means any changes to the word of God would be imperfect, would be a bad thing. It's a change for the worst. And, and, And the same in the church. Our fight as Christians is not to stay relevant. It's not to stay modern and contemporary. Our fight as Christians is to remain steadfast and firm, not changing the words, but holding on to the sound pattern of words that were handed down to us, that were given to us. Our fight is to refuse to be conformed to the world. Now, the next thing Paul says is this. He says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Lies are the chief weapon of the devil. However, he uses flesh and blood. He uses people to transmit and broadcast these lies. Um, human beings will infiltrate and attack us with false doctrine and false practice and divisions. 
And false prophets and teachers are bad. They are our enemies. But they're not the real enemy. They're being used by the enemy. Even though these lies come out of the mouth of flesh and blood, there is a demonic force behind these false teachings. The cosmic power of darkness, the spiritual forces of evil are at work behind these things. What do you think is behind the push for abortion and the mutilation of children? What is behind that? The mutilation of children. What is behind those things? It's not only flesh and blood. There's something greater and deeper going on there, more profound and ugly than we can understand. This means that we have to be wise and discerning. We have to be able to love our enemy while hating the evil that they speak and they do and condemning it. We have to have compassion on the person, but we never have compassion or tolerate wickedness or their lies. Uh, By the way, this means that whenever there's strife between families or members or husbands and wives or things like this, that other person is not the enemy. The devil is. So if you're going to be angry, then be angry at the devil. Be angry at sin. If you're going to curse someone, curse the devil. These are people whom Jesus died for and whom he loves. Behind every single false teaching and wicked act and sinful behavior is the devil and his demons. We condemn wickedness. And yet at the same time, we need the wisdom to understand that and consider our enemies as victims who need to be rescued from demonic forces and teachings. Okay, uh, what does this look like in practice? What should our life look like now that he says these things? If you take these words to heart, then you're, no, you're going to know that you have a real enemy who is out to destroy you, to rob you of eternal life, uh, the devil and his demons. And your only defense against him and these legions is the word of God. So pay close attention. Your chief defense against the devil and his accusations and his lies is not your good works. That won't protect you against the devil. Improving your life and your behavior will not protect you against the devil. Your own wisdom, your knowledge, your cleverness, your willpower won't protect you against the devil. Even more, it's not even the LCMS that will protect you against the devil or the LCMS logo that protects you from the lies of the devil. As if you'll simply be safe if you go to a church that has the right logo on the sign. A name and an institution and a logo, these things will not protect you. God's word will protect you alone. That's it. Lies can infiltrate even Lutheran churches and come from Lutheran pulpits. So you can't depend upon that. So you have to depend upon something else, something that is greater and far above that. And that is the word of God that cannot fail you. So this is why you come to church and you listen and you pay close attention to the word. This is why it is good to come to Bible study, to study the word and discuss theology. If if, if you think you have more important things to do besides coming to church, 
hearing the word and attending Bible classes, then who do you think put that idea into your head to begin with? Who do you think has convinced you that there's something more valuable than the word of God? It was not God. It was not the Holy Spirit who convinced you to fill your mind with other things. Indeed, it was the devil. You need to arm yourself with God's word. And, And men, especially you, you need especially to arm yourselves with the word of God. Don't think that Christianity is a weak or effeminate or childish thing. God, who is the father of all, the patriarch of patriarchs, invented doctrine. He speaks his word and things are done. So learn it well. Learn it from God, your father. Men should take lead in their own church and in their own homes. If something needs to be done, men, you should be the first ones to stand up and do it. You should be the loudest ones in church too. Sing from the gut. Confess this doctrine louder than anyone else. Confess your sins louder. Say the creed louder. Sing the hymns louder and stronger. Fill, shake the rafters with your voice. Husbands, be leaders in your homes and be the first to confess your sins to your wife. Be the first to forgive your wife. Be the first to have mercy upon her. Be the first to get up and get the Bible to do devotions. Fathers, protect your homes not only from physical danger, but do it from, also from spiritual danger. Protect your homes from thieves and robbers, but also from false teachers who come to rob you and your household of eternal life. Take charge of your home like a general. Show your wife and your children what it looks like to love, what godly patriarchy is what it is to lay down your life for another. Psalm 119 verse 37 says this, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn them away. You're pleading to God, turn my eyes away from these things and give me life in your ways. So children, turn your eyes from looking at worthless things. Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you. Fathers and mothers, protect your children from seeing evil things. Guard them from seeing and hearing wicked things and teachings on the TV and on the phone and on the computer. These things are irreversible. Once they see them, they're seen. Guard them from seeing it. Keep the devil and his demons from infiltrating your home. Don't just let your children watch anything. Or, or pick these sort of things or listen to whatever they want. Involve yourself in their education. Beware of what others are teaching them. There are people there who want to take your children away from you in this world right now. They're writing things up, legislature, to pass in the government, to rip your child away from you so that you have no say in what happens to your kid. Involve yourself in what, in what your child learns. Beware of what others teach them. And if your children happen to see evil things, then rebuke it immediately. Take it upon yourself to talk to them right away about it. Teach them what is good. Teach them what is holy, what's true. When it comes to friends, uh, uh, filter who they're friends with even. 
Remember that bad company corrupts good morals. Your children have friends. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. And when they're involved in the wrong group, they grow astray. So make sure they have good friends who love Jesus and friends who don't deny his word. And this is for all of you. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Seek out instruction. Go find it. Talk to your own pastor. Ask him these things. Ask him about uh, a theology. Tell him your worries, your anxieties, your struggles, your strife. When the, when the devil seeks to destroy you with grief and pain and sorrow, then you guard yourself with the word of God. God's word keeps you from despair, keeps you from losing the faith. So be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil. Remember, you're not fighting against the devil. The devil is fighting against you. He's seeking to take away everything that Jesus already gave you, everything he did for you. He wants to take away the forgiveness of sins, the salvation, the promise of the gospel from your ears and your heart. But no matter what the devil does, he cannot take away the blood that Jesus spilled for you on his cross. He cannot erase the wounds that are in his flesh. He cannot take back or turn back time when the Lord of life laid down his life for you. That is done. And it will always will be. He can't undo what Jesus did. And so long as you have Jesus, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. So dear saints, don't flee or be terrified of your enemies. You embrace the battle knowing that Jesus fights for you and he'll defend you. God gives you armor to protect you. He clothes you with this in your baptism. He covers you. God gives you this armor to protect you. Yes, that is true. So wear it. But more than that, he gives you this armor to identify you. To show you which side of the battle you are on. You're on the side that already won. You're on God's side and he is yours. You wear his armor. You wear his uniform. You wear his word, his righteousness. You make the sign of the cross upon yourself and upon your children you wear the cross in your, around your neck, on your body, in your home. And you signify to the world that God is with you and you are with God. I'm going to close with these words from the blessed Dr. Martin Luther on this very text. He says this. Therefore, Christ here warns and musters his soldiers saying this. You're in my army and under my flag. So see to it that you are on the lookout for the enemy, ready to defend yourself against his angels because he's never far away from you. As long as you do that, you need have no fear for we belong to a Lord who has angels himself and power enough and is called the Lord of hosts and the true victor over the dragon and he stands by us, even fights for us so that the devil and all his angels will fall down and be cast out forever. For the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.